0: Welcome to the Faith Christian Church Podcast. You're listening to a message from one of our many gatherings that we have throughout the week. For more information on service times, ways that you can be a part of the work that God is doing in our communities, and so much more, you can visit our website at faithchristianwi.com. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. Good morning everybody. You guys doing good this morning? Good. Uh, I don't know about me being a special treat, but uh, I I am excited to be here today. Glad to be here. I was telling my wife, I, I never know what to think when I come to Reedsburg because I feel like I don't get to come here that often, and I don't know what you guys are going to think of me. But I just I just want to say thank you guys for for being an amazing community. As soon as you walk through the doors and see faces that I recognize or some that I don't, you guys make me feel like I'm right at home, even though I don't get to come here all that often. And uh, I hope you guys appreciate your church. Do You love your church. This is a, this this is this is an amazing church uh, that I'm I'm glad to be a part of the the family uh, of Faith Christian Church, and hope that you guys are. As well, and uh, I know it's kind of a proper protocol for a non uh, a non common speaker to to show love to the pastor uh, Pastor Ken, but I wanna I'm, I'm a little bit different in the fact that I'm not really a guest, and I get to know Pastor Ken personally, and uh, he's turning away because he hates these moments of recognition. But I want you to know that you have an amazing pastor, Amen. You have an amazing pastor. He's a faithful man of God. He loves his family. I get to know him uh, personally. He gets to know my family. And uh, I'm just thankful for Ken in my life. I'm thankful that we have a a, a pastor that is leading this campus uh, that is a man of God. Are you guys thankful for that? Amen. And uh, yeah, give him a hand. As as great of friends as we are, we hang out all the time. Those of you who know me, uh, we like fix tractors and stuff and like dig, we dig in the dirt together and uh, no, okay. Okay. Uh, I, we don't do that. Ken Ken was like, earlier this morning, he was talking about, well, I do lots of physical labor, and I'm thinking, like, if I have to do physical labor, I find excuses. So, no, no I'm just kidding. But uh, it, we, he's a great friend. Uh, I love Pastor Ken. I love this church. Excited to be here today. Are you guys ready to uh, open up the Word of God together today? All right. Uh, I heard somebody say to me once that the message doesn't really begin to you open the Word so uh, I'm going to go right there so the message can fully begin. We're going to go right into the book of Matthew, chapter 6. Today we're going to be continuing our series on uh, what we call roots. Uh, we're kind of talking about the Lord's Prayer, the Lord's Prayer and uh, how it affects our faith, where, where we should uh, put our ground in. And uh, I love what Pastor Ken said last week. I got to talk to him about his message, and I love what he said in his, in his closing. He said that if you want to kill something, you've got to go at the roots. If you want to kill shrubs or plants or trees, you have to go at its roots. But if you want it to grow, you you have to to feed its roots. And uh, I, that's that's so true. And maybe some of you have experienced that in your own lawns or or something like that. Um, I don't know if I'm the only one, but uh, my, my lawn is a breeding ground for weeds, and I can't get at the roots because they grow through the cement, amen? And any, anyone else? My wife, I remember at the end of this summer, uh, she, was, she was telling me, we, we have uh, a, a rock uh, part of our, our lawn that's, that's covered in rock, and some weeds tried to get through it, and she said, Jordan, you should go clean that up, and I said, ah, winter's coming, it'll take care right, right, right care of that, amen? Anybody with me? No? Okay. Okay. Anyways, I'm the only lazy one in the crowd. All right. Anyway, uh, we're, we're going to roots today and uh, the Lord's Prayer. I'm going to read to you the Lord's Prayer. This is probably the most quoted part of all of the Bible. Uh, maybe you heard it growing up in Sunday school. Maybe you memorized it. Maybe you still got it memorized. But I'm going to read to you Matthew chapter 6, and I'm going to begin in verse 9 says this, pray like this. This is Jesus talking, instructing his disciples and followers. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon, and may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need, or some translations say, give us today our daily bread. And forgive us our sins, as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. That's the Lord's prayer. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy, may your kingdom come soon, and may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what we talked about last week, and today we're going to talk about that next verse, verse 11. Give us today the food we need, or our daily bread. But before we get into that, will you you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we thank you for this day, for this time that we get to spend together centered around your word. God, we love your word. We love uh, the life that it gives, the truth that it leads us into, and today I pray that as we unpack it and open it up together that you would speak through it, that it wouldn't be just uh, some book that we occasionally pick up and look at, but it would be something that we take all the life that we can out of, that we take its instruction, that we take its, its, uh, its laws and its, uh, the ways that it applies to our lives, that we take its stories and, and make them come alive in us. We pray that today We would have an encounter with you because of your word and because you promised to be here when we gather in your name. God, we're here waiting on you, expecting you to do great things, and we ask you to do it today. In Jesus' name, we all said, amen, amen. amen. Uh, I love this series, Roots, and uh, this, I, I, one of the, my favorite classes growing up, uh, it, whether it be elementary school, middle school, high school, I always loved biology. It was science. It was something tangible that I, that I did understand. and, and uh, So I remember this growing up, but I did some, some study on roots to, to make sure that I had my, my facts correct. But th- uh, roots in nature uh, have three main purposes. The first one is to take nutrients or their form of food from the soil that it's dug into. The second one is to store the nutrients and use it when the time comes for the the food the, the tree needs to eat and so it's it's got to go down to its roots and, and carry it up to the tree. And the third one is it fixes plants to the ground. So it takes nutrients from the soil, the soil. It stores those nutrients and uses them when the time comes and it and it keeps the plants uh, rooted for lack of a better word, rooted in the ground, ready to to, to weather any storm, to stay there through it. And I love that we called this series on the Lord's Prayer Roots, because if you think about it in in a non-nature sense, but a spiritual sense, prayer, a time of prayer with God does that same thing, those same three things for us. First of all, it gives us the food that our spiritual lives need. I've heard it said that when you stop praying, you stop following God. You can't have a a relationship with God. You can't be a Jesus follower without having some type of personal prayer life. I'm not saying it has to be three hours a day where you have to be locked in a closet or whatever. But if you're you're done praying, then you're done following God. We need to, to be in prayer because it gives us the spiritual food that we need to continue going on. Just as trees need the nutrients and just as our bodies need food, our spiritual lives need to be fed. And the way to do that is through the word of God and through prayer. The second one, store nutrients and use it when the time comes, is sometimes when we spend time with God, we learn things about God and his character that don't necessarily apply to the situation that we're going through. But when the time comes, we know that God is faithful. For example, Becca gave a great offering message this morning about anxiety. Sometimes we need to learn the lesson, and we do in times of prayer, that God is faithful. To us, that he is always giving us peace that we need to get through the moment, and maybe you're not in a difficult situation right now, but when, you come, when the time comes, you'll know be, that, that, that God's character is peaceful, and that he offers you peace that you can accept, and we can learn that in places of prayer and use them in times of need. And the third one fixes plants to the ground. I hope I'm not alone here, and I'm pretty sure that I'm not, that sometimes life gets hard, and sometimes life gets difficult. But if we have a time and a place of prayer, if we have a relationship with God through prayer, if our relationship with God keeps us anchored and rooted in God when the going gets tough, amen? When things don't seem to be going our way and, and, and some, sometimes our emotions would cause us to turn this way and that way, when we have a relationship with God through prayer, we are rooted in him. We we can be we can be know that we're stuck in God that He's not leaving us or forsaking us but that we have a place in Him, and, and that's what prayer does for us just like roots or this this Lord's prayer just like uh, we're calling it roots because just like a roots in nature take care of you in those three ways the same is true for our prayer life our relationship with God prayer does things for us and it's those three things and today as I said we're zeroing in on the part of prayer the Lord's prayer uh, give us today the food we need. Give us today our daily bread. And uh, when Jesus was saying this to his followers, he would have been talking to a largely Jewish audience, a group of people that that were familiar with God's ways in the Old Testament. And maybe you are, or maybe you aren't, but you have to realize that the crowd that was listening to this story, or was listening rather to this prayer, as soon as they hear things, they, they view them or they hear them through their own cultural lens, looking back on their Jewish history of God followers. So when they hear the words daily bread, something would have immediately clicked in their mind. And we're gonna turn to that story today. It's in Exodus chapter 16. Give us this day our daily bread would have brought them right to the story of manna. Have you ever heard the story of how God provided through manna? And they think back to Exodus. Their, their, their ancestors uh, were, were provided for. And we're going we're gonna to read the story here today, but I'm going to recap the situation real quickly because we don't have time to go through the whole entirety uh, in, in the Bible of what happened to God's people. But basically, God's people form. A nation. God's people form a people, a community, and, and it has grown to a million or more people, and, and they're all there together. They are the Israelites. Now, unfortunately, the Israelites at one point in time were slaves to the Egyptians, and the Egyptians were people that made them work and make them, uh, they were, in slavery, they, they literally were that. They were slaves. They were, they were put to work with little pay or none. They, they were given food, and that's about it. As much as they needed to survive, they were given, but they didn't have their own freedom. They were working as slaves for the Egyptians. And one day God speaks to Moses and says, Moses, I need you to lead my people out of Israel or out of Egypt. I need you to lead the people of Israel out of this slavery in Egypt. And he says, I can't do it, God. But God says, no, I've equipped you. I've prepared you. So he says, go to Pharaoh. And you know the story, perhaps we learned it in Sunday school on the felt boards and all that stuff where Moses goes and he tells Pharaoh, let my people go. And 10 times he says no, but the tenth, on the 10th time he says, fine, whatever, I'm done with these plagues that God is sending. So God's people leave with Pharaoh's blessing. But then Pharaoh is emotional, he changes his mind, he chases after them. And they run up on this body of water called the Red Sea and they can't, they can't get by without it. They can't go around it. There's no time. They can't get through it because the people are, uh, the, the Egyptians are right on their tails. And so Moses takes his staff, smacks the water and the water parts. All million people walk through on dry ground. And as soon as the Egyptians get to the water, the waters close back up and it envelops them and they all drown and die. And now God's people, the Israelites, are free on their way to this land that had been promised to them called, creatively, the promised land. Now, they're they're on the way to the promised land, but before they can get to the promised land, they're stuck in a terrible territory, or at least so they thought, called the wilderness. Look at your neighbor and say, the wilderness. The wilderness, they did not like. They didn't want to be there. They, they, they look back, and we're going to find out what their thoughts on it were, but they they're not a fan of the wilderness because it's not what God had promised them and it wasn't the comfort that they had learned throughout hundreds of years of slavery. And so they're in this place in in the middle of of being freed and this promise that they knew that ultimately God had for them and they're stuck in the wilderness. And God wants to teach them a lesson, a lesson on his faithfulness. And so I'm gonna read the story to you today Out of Exodus chapter 16, we're going to start right in the beginning in verse 1. So after all of that happened, after God's people have escaped, after they are in freedom, freedom from slavery, but not yet to their promised land, they're stuck in the wilderness and here's where they're at. Then the whole community of Israel set out from Elim and journeyed into the wilderness of sin. What a name. (laughs) Between Elim and Mount Sinai. They arrived there on the 15th day of the second month one month after leaving the land of Egypt. There, too, the whole community of Israel complained about Moses and Aaron. I can just picture the whiny tone in their voice. If only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt, they moaned. There we sat around with pots filled with meat and ate all the bread we wanted. But now you have brought us into this wilderness just to starve us all to death. Then the Lord said to Moses, look, I'm going to rain down food from heaven for you. Each day the people can go out and pick up as much food as they need for that day. I will test them in this to see whether or not they will follow my instructions. And on the sixth day, so they can rest on the seventh, they will gather food. And when they prepare it, there will be twice as much as usual. So Moses and Aaron said to all the people of Israel, By evening you will realize it was the Lord that brought you out of the land of Egypt. I'm going to skip down to verse number 14. When the dew evaporated, a flaky substance as fine as frost blanketed the ground. The Israelites were puzzled when they saw, it. what is it, they asked each other, and they, none of them had any idea what it was. And Moses told them, it is the food that the Lord has given you to eat. There are the, these are the instructions. Each household should gather as much as it needs. Pick up two quarts for each person in your tent. So the people of Israel did as they were told. Some gathered a lot. Some only a little. But when they measured it out, everyone had just enough. Those who gathered a lot had nothing left over, and those who gathered a little had ha, ha, who gathered only a little had enough. Each family had just what it needed. And I want you to keep that in mind. They had just enough. They had just what they needed. And maybe we've heard this story before, but I find it funny because these, these Israelites. They're in this wilderness season and God clearly wants to teach them a lesson on his faithfulness. And so the lesson is this, depend on God. Depend on God because he brought them out of this land of, uh, of Egypt where they were enslaved. They were in a terrible situation, which apparently they didn't think that terribly of. <laughs> but they were slaves in this foreign land that they didn't want to be in, working what they doing what they didn't want to do. And God frees them from it and now he wants to teach them a lesson that every day I'm going to provide for you. But you're going to have to take this thing day by day because I need you to learn to trust me. Learn God dependence is what the lesson to the Israelites were. Learn God dependence. And here's a helpful Bible tip for you. Maybe some of you are reading along in the year-long Bible plan that we have. Or maybe you're doing your own Bible plan. Or maybe you've read some of these Old Testament stories and Excuse me. Maybe you've read some of these stories, Old Testament or New Testament, and kind of wondered, like, why is this in here? Yes, it's a cool story. Yes, it it, it is is amazing that God can do all these things, but why is this in the Word of God for me? What does it say to me? And I want to give you a helpful Bible tip today so that when you read your Bible, you can know the point of it. I want you to know that everything in the Bible either points forward to, at, or back to Jesus. Everything in the Old Testament is a foreshadowing of what Jesus would do or what would happen in our lives because of Jesus. Or if it's in the New Testament, everything points back to Jesus and what he has done for us. Or if it's about Jesus, it's about his character. If Jesus is in the story, it's about his character. If it's in the New Testament looking back to Jesus, it's to show us and remind us who Jesus is. And in this case, the Old Testament is there to to show us what Jesus would come to accomplish, to foreshadow what Jesus was going to do for us. Now, now a phrase that is known in the Bible is, is this, it's true and better. So when we look at this Old Testament story, we have to realize that Jesus fulfills this in a true and better sense. Let me explain. When, when the Israelites were kept in captivity, when they were stuck there, they couldn't get out hundreds of years of generation after generation after generation in slavery, that is meant to foreshadow us being captive and stuck in our sin. We can't get ourselves out. There's nothing that we can do, so we are, we're stuck there. Then God sends a deliverer. In the Old Testament, it's Moses. In, in, in our lives, that's a foreshadowing of, of Jesus, somebody coming to deliver us out of this bondage, this slavery that we cannot get out of. Then Moses leads the charge, or in our case, Jesus leads the charge, and Jesus is the true and better Moses to lead us out of that captivity into freedom, towards this promised land. For them, it was a land flowing with milk and honey in Canaan. For us, it's it's the promise of heaven. It's the promise of heaven that when we die, we don't have to just not exist. We don't have to worry about eternal punishment. If we've accepted Jesus, we have this wonderful promise of eternity spent with God. Is anybody thankful for heaven? We're thankful for heaven because it's where we're headed. It's where we're going. We know that God has promised it to us. We know that that is where we are on our way to. Heaven is the true and better promised land. Now, the problem is they didn't get to escape slavery and go right to the promised land. They were stuck in the wilderness. And the same is true for us. We're not living like in tents and tarps and, and hunting animals just to, maybe you hunt animals for, for fun and, and food, but we're, that, that, that was their livelihood. But for us, we are in between the time where we were enslaved to sin and when we get the full promise of eternity with God in heaven, and that period can be known as the wilderness, the true and better wilderness, where we are at right now. Because we are no longer enslaved and captive to our sin, which I'm thankful for. and But we are not quite yet arrived at our full destination of heaven. So we're in this period of the wilderness when we need to learn the same lessons as the Israelites did, God-dependence. God dependence that every day that we live, for the Israelites it was 40 years, for us it may be 60, for us it may be 10, for us it may, whatever it is in this time between slavery to sin and heaven, what we need to do is learn God dependence. That's why when Jesus tells us in the Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread. He's not talking about, I've freed you so enjoy life as you please and one day we'll see you in heaven. No, daily we need to learn God dependence. Daily, we need to look at Jesus, think on what he's done for us and what that means for each and every day and each and every moment. We need to look to God for our provision, realizing realizing that he has a great promise that he he promises to get us to. And he's not going to abandon us in this middle section of the wilderness. But we need to learn the lesson that God is faithful even if we can't see all of the steps that it takes to get to that promised land. God is faithful to us in this season of the wilderness, in this day and age, in this time, while we're no longer slaves to sin, but on our way to heaven, God is faithful to us. So we can learn to be God-dependent. A few things that I want you to take away today from, from this story of Exodus. Some few, a few points that I want, I want you to take away. The first one is this. Really simple. Maybe you'd say, I already do this, but I don't think we can ever overemphasize this. Thank God that he saved you. Thank God that he has saved you. I, I mean, you look at this story, and I think it's so funny. Because, and maybe we, when we read it, we even chuckle and laugh a bit, a little bit. Like, man, these Israelites are so whiny. But they get taken out of Egypt, and they're in the wilderness, and they go maybe... A few days without food, and it says that they're complaining against Moses. They're thinking back, oh, at least when we were in Egypt, we had meat to eat, and our stomachs were full. Yeah, but you had to work. That's why your stomachs were so full. They had to feed you because you were working as a slave, right? You were a captive. You were not your own person. You were at the mercy of another person telling you what they wanted you to do or killing you if they wanted to. You were a slave. And they said, oh, I just wish we would have died back there. Shut up! You know? No, you didn't. You didn't want to die back there. You just don't like where you're at right now. And one day you're going to get to that land where God promises you and you're going to appreciate all that he's brought you through. They said, oh, I wish we would have died back there. At least our stomachs were full. At least we did what we pleased and it would have been great to just die back there. No, it would not have. And we laugh at the Israelites and kind of make a point out of them and a spectacle out of them. But how often do we look back on our lives, back when we were slaves to sin and maybe didn't even know it yet, and think, oh, do you remember when we used to do this? Do you remember when we, remember how much fun it was to go out and do this, that, and the other thing? Oh, those were the days, man. I, you know, I'm saved now, so I can't go anymore. But, man, that was, those were the days. No. We laugh because sometimes we do the same thing. We think negatively on what this wilderness season means, that we have to do things that we didn't do before. We were com- their stomachs were full then, but they didn't have their freedom. And sometimes for us in this season, we think about all the great things that we had back there. But now we think, oh, this money that I work for, you mean like God wants some of it? Or he wants me to be generous to other people with it or oh my gosh another planning center request so-and-so wants me to serve again oh I'm so sick of this but some of these things are in our wilderness season we have to look back in our rear view mirror and realize thank God the slavery season is behind us and unless we turn around we don't have to go back God has freed us, and, 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 and so slavery is in our rearview mirror, and if we can look straight ahead towards our, through our windshield, what we'll see is the promise of heaven. Thank God that he saved you. It wasn't better back in slavery, amen? We have a better promise of heaven, and sometimes we've just got to accept the fact that wilderness seasons are difficult, yes. Trying, yes, but God is faithful, and he can teach you to depend on him. The second thing I want you to take away is I want you to look for the miraculous in what seems mundane. Look for the miraculous in what seems mundane. Here's what I mean by this. You know, in in America, as I said earlier, we kind of view things through our cultural lens. And in America, a lot of us are not looking for food daily. We're not leaving church. Maybe you are, but most of us probably are not going to come to the altar at the end of the service and be on our knees like, God, please let there be food in my fridge when I get home. A lot of us aren't in that scenario. So we think, you know what, I've kind of got everything that, I need, everything that I need daily, so I'm just going to trust God to take care of the other stuff. But for these people, they needed literal daily bread to survive. They were in, in this wilderness. They didn't have homes. They, they were just this big community of people living in, a spot that they really didn't want to be. And so they needed daily bread, literally, to survive. And for 40 years, they had one meal to eat, manna, bread, Something that's relatively plain, nothing that would have been exciting. It's not like one family would have looked at the other and been like, oh, you want to come over for dinner tonight or we're having tacos? No. You you want to come over for dinner tonight? What are you having? Manna, same thing as you. Well, why don't you come to my house? My house is nicer. And you know what? They would have have been thinking that, that 40 years, breakfast, lunch, dinner, every single day was the same. Wake up, gather your manna, breakfast, manna, lunch. I'm hungry, manna. Kids, you want a snack? Manna. Dinner? Manna. 40 days, or 40 years, not days. 40 days would be enough for me, amen? 40 years. An entire generation grew up only knowing manna. That's pretty mundane. That's a pretty boring lifestyle, right? On top of that, God said two quarts per person. He put portionable sizes on this. Come on, you can't supersize your manna. (laughs) You couldn't even get seconds. You couldn't get extras. God says two quarts. That's what you get. Two quarts per person for the day, and so that's what you are able to eat. They eat it, and they continue on with life. They wake up the next day, gather their manna, go on and eat it. That's a pretty mundane routine. Every day, the same food. Every day, the same routine. But that doesn't change the fact that without God, that wouldn't have happened. It's mundane, but my goodness, is it miraculous. I don't know about you, but outside my house in the morning, there is not bread on the ground. it's, It's not a natural process. It's not scientific. It's not logical. But God is miraculous. He knew what his people needed. And so he said, you know what? Even if science, even if this earth that I created can't provide for you what you need, I've got you. I have got you. And so day after day, they get exactly what they need. They had enough. Not over the top, not a wide variety, not a, not a Chinese buffet, not a, nothing like that, not a smorgasbord, they had enough. And even though it was mundane and routine, it was miraculous. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I get so well-adjusted to seeing God show up and do miraculous things that it just becomes average or ordinary to me. I hope that today we can leave here and realize that sometimes in our everyday lifestyle, what God does is miraculous. And we can trust him. We can learn God-dependence. Every day, we have enough. The last one I want you to take away is this. Worry about today. Worry about today. Many things changed from their culture to ours today, but one thing doesn't. Human nature always thinks about tomorrow. We always find ourselves worried about tomorrow. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is talking the same chapter as he says the Lord's Prayer. I'm going I'm, I'm to read it to you. Matthew chapter 6, I believe it's verse 25. It says this. That's why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food or drink or clothes to wear, isn't life more than food in your body, more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns. Your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father knows your needs. Thank God that he knows our needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. He'll give you enough. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. I don't know if you were tracking with me through that story in Exodus, but they face the same problem or temptation, maybe, that we do. Tomorrow was their concern. God was providing for them, and they get real smart. They look, oh my gosh, this ground is covered in bread. We could have like a month's worth of bread. I don't know what it was, but they look out and they say, there is more than enough bread for today. God said two quarts, but why don't we get tomorrow's two quarts and next week's two quarts and then we'll just be good for a week. We'll only have to work once a week and then we got everything taken care of so they store it up and they wake up the next morning and it's filled with maggots. And God says, ha, told you, don't do that. I've got you today. And the Israelites probably look around at the ground and be like, why do you got all this extra bread then? God says, that's not the point. Worry about Today. I don't know about you, but I realize in my own life that probably all of my worries don't happen for what's going on right now. It's something that's happening in the future. Wondering if the income's gonna be enough to pay the bills, wondering if that doctor's appointment's gonna go well, or whatever it may be in the future, and it steals our joy today. heard a statistic one time, and I looked it up, and it's true. 85% of what we worry about is out of our control. and never comes true. 85% of the things that we worry about never come to pass. Then, of that 15% that does happen that we worry about, 11% never happens. And the 4% is something that we can control. So here's what I think. 85% of the things that we worry about don't happen which should lower our level of worry, right? Then 11% of things that we worry about we don't have control over so it's no use to worry anyways. And that last 4%, things that are that do happen that we worry about that we can control. You know what I think we should do? Do something about it. You know? If there's 85% of things we that we worry about don't happen okay we'll get rid of that 85% then we're down to 15 11% we can't do anything about all right we'll just take life as it comes and trust that God depends on us and that 4% that we can do something about let's do it we can, if we can work more if we can trust God more if we can do whatever it is to make that happen then we should do it that 11% we're just going to trust that God is faithful that he's got his eyes on us he's going to take care of us And we don't have to worry That other 85%, we should get rid of that. Today has enough worry of its own. We don't have to freak out. We don't have to struggle with worry, but it's one of the common things that we all struggle with. I don't think anybody's exempt from that. Certainly not me. Worry about tomorrow. It was the same for the Israelites as it is for us today. I'm not saying any of these things are bad or evil, but how often do we spend so much of our today focused on the future? Retirement accounts, savings accounts, working ahead, saving days, planning trips, all that stuff. None of those are bad things. But if we're attached to them more than we're attached to God, then we're worried about tomorrow. Worry about tomorrow steals your life and your joy today so let's be concerned with what God is doing today because for the Israelites and also for us in this season of wilderness when we're between slavery and the promise God never doesn't show up amen I don't think there was a single day it's not recorded in the Bible that there was one day that God woke up he overslept and oh shoot forgot to send him their manna never happened God is faithful and he will give you enough for today. I want to I point something out to you too. Whenever God does something miraculous, we don't like this so much as Americans. Whenever God does something miraculous, it always comes out of a time of need. A time where we look at God and say, wow, I really don't have enough. Our pastor, Pastor Paul, says it this way. I love this quote of his. He says, ne- necessity is the breeding ground of many miracles. Where you look at your finances at the end of the month and you think, wow, there is absolutely no way that I can make this happen. God can do it. You look at your health or your uh, a negative situation with that, and you're like, God, there's no way that I can overcome this sickness there's no way that I can overcome this anxiety that comes along with it, or whatever it may be. God can, and here's the thing. God never does miracles in the future. He always does them now. So let's worry about now. Not even worry. Let's, let's be concerned with what God is doing today. Tomorrow has enough concerns of its own. Let's worry about now. You know what God's promises always are? Just as the manna was for the Israelites. Enough for today. So the lesson out of all of this, give us today our daily bread, is we've got to learn to depend on God. I know this is a saying that we always say in Christianity, but God has never failed anybody, and he's not going to start with you. And you can depend on that today and every day. Even if it's mundane, even if it's not spectacular, even if it isn't exactly how you hope for in this wilderness season while we're freed from slavery but waiting for heaven. God will give you enough for today. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your words of wisdom, for your for teaching us to pray about daily bread, God, whatever situation we are in today, maybe some of us do need food and we do need finances and we do need things right now in this very moment that are stealing our joy, our attention. They have our focus and anxiety and worry. God, we know and we've seen you do it before that you've provided for every situation. Give us enough. Food. Money. All those things. Give us enough for today. Whatever's got our worry today, God, we pray that you would show up, do the miraculous today. God, help us to learn that in this season, while we're awaiting the great promise of heaven, God, we can't wait to be there, but God, while we're here, help us to learn to depend on you, to receive with open hands what you're trying to give us. Help us not try to store or hoard or try to outsmart you. Help us to be wise, of course, but help us to plan mostly for today. Give us each day, this day, the food we need. Whatever we come in needing today, whether it be salvation, provision, healing, hope. God, give it to us today. Give us the food we need in this moment. Thank you for saving us, for freeing us. Thank you for the promises of heaven. Thank you for the miracles that you work day in and day out that sometimes we forget to thank you for. Thank you that you give us the peace that we need. And thank you for always giving us enough. In Jesus' name. Today, with every eye closed and every head bowed, I want to ask one thing before we close. If there's anybody here that has never accepted Jesus into their heart and you hear about being freed from sin and you'd say, you know what, I want that. I don't know that my journey is leading towards the promise of heaven, but I want it to. The Bible tells us that there's one way and one way only to do that, and that's accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior. It also tells us that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And that's what we want to give you the opportunity to do today to say, Yes, Jesus. I believe that you're God. I believe that you are my Lord. I give you control of my life. I believe that you're alive. I want to give you my life. If that's you today, you don't know where you stand, but you know you want to set your journey towards heaven. We want to help you do that today. And on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Nobody's going to be looking around, and it's not going to be because we want to embarrass you or keep a tally for ourselves or anything like that, but we do want to make sure that every person here gets an opportunity to say, yes, I'm getting my life, my heart right with Jesus. Today's my day. On the count of three, if that's you, will you just raise your hand so we can pray with you? One, God loves you so much, so much that he gave his one and only son when it wasn't required. But just because he was compelled by love, he gave his son for you and for us. Two, the Bible says that today is the day of salvation. and We don't have a minute or a moment to waste, no time to lose. If you're even thinking that today might be your day, now is the time. Say yes to Jesus. Three, if that's you, will you raise your hand? Jesus, we thank you for this day. Thank you for each and every person here today. We pray that whatever situation we find ourselves in as we leave this church, this building, this community, and go our own separate ways to our own homes and families and situations, God, we know that you know far more about every situation than we do. Including how you're going to provide for it. So help us to not worry or stress, but just give you the faith and trust that you need to do your miraculous work. We thank you that you've you're with us, that you're dependable, that you're faithful. As we go on our way to the promise of heaven, help us to also be faithful to trust in you. To gather what we need and be generous, loving, kind. Everything that you ask us to be. We thank you that one day we will be with you. Help us to, as your word tells us to pray, we pray right now that earth would look more like heaven because of what we do and that we would receive all that we need, enough for today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. You guys can be dismissed. We hope you had a great Sunday. We love you. Uh, If there's anything that you need prayer for, we'll have some people up here at the front that would uh, love to pray with you, that would love to talk with you. Otherwise, you can have a great Sunday, and God bless.